<clears throat> All right, well, <clears throat> I'm glad to be here tonight and thankful for everybody that showed up. We just, a lot more people came out than I, I told, I was just joking around and I told Brother Jamie, I said, if I knew this many people was going to come, I'd have studied. But I did study. <laughs> if I didn't, I'd be very frightened right now. <laughs> but uh, anyway, <clears throat> if y'all want to turn with us, we're going to be reading you can just go ahead and turn to chapter 19 of Exodus, um, is what we'll read from tonight to begin with. You know, we've been talking about the covenants. We began that as of last week, talking about the covenants of the Old Testament, and not all of them, by the way, just the most significant ones, I think, um, which is the one to Abraham and the one to, uh, uh, that was made with the ch- children of Israel at Mount Sinai. And uh, we're going to talk about after this next week, hopefully, Lord willing, we're going to talk about the covenant, which is a little bit different kind of covenant next week because it was just, it's really a promise from God that he made to David. And then after that, the following week, hopefully we'll go into the new covenant in the New Testament, that the one that Jesus inaugurated at the uh, Last Supper in the New Testament. But so... Tonight, we're going to talk about the one that God made with the children of Israel at Mount Sinai. And just to touch up a little bit on last week, if you remember, we talked a lot about circumcision. And we talked about uh, that God had told Abraham there in Genesis chapter 12 that the covenant, a token of the covenant that he made with Abraham would be the circumcision of the flesh. He said, this is a token of my covenant. That wasn't the covenant in itself. The covenant was, Abraham, get you up out of your country, away from your family, and go to a place that I tell you, and I will bless your uh, family and your seed to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. And that was the covenant that God made there with Abraham. So there was it was something Abraham had to do uh, on his behalf, and that was get up and have faith in God and go out into. Uh, a country he didn't know anything about, so he had to have blind faith, just go. That was a perfect picture of faith in God, is what Abraham had then. And then after Abraham did that, God um, would fulfill his be- on his half of the covenant, which he has. And we studied that last week about the land in Joshua 21. <laughs> Joshua 21 says that all the land that he promised to the uh, the descendants of Abraham was given to them, is what they says in Joshua 21 anyway. And um, that we'll talk a little bit more about that tonight. But anyway, let's begin our reading here in Exodus chapter 19. It says in verse 1, In the third month when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai, for they were departed from Rephidim, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness. And there, and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye, be, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me 
a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Now, what's happening right here? Think about this. He says, "Keep my co- if you if you keep my co- my covenant." But what covenant is he speaking about? Well, he's not speaking about the Abrahamic covenant that we just discussed because the only thing to do in the Abrahamic covenant, the only way you could keep it, there was no way for them to keep it because Abraham had done fulfilled his part of it. He done left his family and went out into the wilderness and that was the only part that Abraham had to it. Now, the circumcision was in play, but that was just a token of it. That wasn't actually something that you were doing uh, to fulfill the covenant on a daily basis or anything like that. It was just a token to say that you were a, uh, one of the, uh, the children of Abraham and that you were a, a, a follower of God. So it was just a token of the covenant that God had made with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. So he's not talking about the Abrahamic covenant here. When he says that in verse 5, he says, Now, th- now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant. He's talking about the covenant he's fixing to make with them. Uh, and he, this is the place, you know, at the, uh, at the mountain here where God gives the law uh, to Moses. The Ten Commandments is given to Moses and so forth. And, of course, a lot of people, we talk about the Ten Commandments a whole lot, but there was also, there was a total of 613 laws that was given that the Jewish people had to keep on a daily basis. Think about that. That's why they had, that's why the, for the, the term lawyer has was it was coined is because they they had certain people that just knew the law the pharisees knew the law uh so well, they had to have somebody 613 even though you taught your children the laws every day can you imagine trying to remember and keep 613 they had these men who kept that and gave instruction to everybody and lawyers that's why where lawyer came from was someone who knew the law and But anyway, so he's talking about the covenant that he's fixing to give here. But up until this point, the children of Israel were just exactly what I said. The children of Israel, they were not a nation. Do you realize that? These were the children of Israel, or Jacob. These were his 12 children and their children, which eventually went from the 12 children of Israel, 12 children of Jacob, to the 12 tribes of Israel. See, as the families grew. So what we're talking about here up until this point is just a large family. That's all it is. It's a large family. There was no nation established. And that's what God's doing right here. He's establishing the nation of Israel. And he's telling them right here in verse 6, and if you do all these things that I just told you, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So this is the place right here that you're seeing today that made Israel an earthly, political nation among all the other nations on the earth. Before this, there was only the family. There was only a family of Israel. Twelve tribes, before that, twelve sons. Before that, was Jacob. Before that, you had Abraham. And that's, that's who, the, who this was. <clears throat> so... I want you to notice something here that he says, though. He says, you will be, in verse 5, Now, therefore, if you will, will obey my voice, indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. So I want you to notice that 
God tells them here, if you keep my covenant and, uh, and if you obey my voice, I'm going to make you a special people upon the earth. I'm going to make you my treasure, a peculiar treasure. Now, did you ever think about why God gave the Ten Commandments? Why he gave them? Right. They didn't have no written laws or anything like that, and uh, they'd done what they assumed to be right. And uh, what was right for one person might not have been right for another. Right. So, so the do what now? Basic moral code. Basic moral code. So the so the standard here is what God said to these people at this time. This is what sets our standard for law today. Even our law today is based upon these standards, yep. and so. But I want to think of it like this, and I want hope that you'll think of it like this. He was showing them his nature by giving them the Ten Commandments. This is the nature of God, okay? Not to steal, you know, uh, not to kill, not to murder. All these things is the nature of God. Now, if I want you to represent me, if I'm telling you, Brother Juan, go represent me somewhere, I want you to be my representative my representation somewhere, then obviously I would want you to do something that related to me, right? I obviously want, would want you to go and do something that relates to me because you're representing me. So by giving them these commandments and these laws, God was instructing them, if you're going to be my people up on the earth, this is how you should act. This is how you should be. To be my people upon the if you're going to represent me, say represent me where? Don't you don't forget to all nations. Remember what he told Abraham: you will be a blessing to all nations now, and your descendants will be a blessing to all nations. This is who he's talking to now. Now he's establishing: you're going to be a blessing to all nations. How are you going to do that? You're going to take me to the world. You're going to evangelize the world. By showing them what God looks like through you. And this is why I want you to keep my commandments, keep my statutes, follow my voice, listen to what I tell you to do. Is because you represent me. You're a special treasure to me. You're a chosen people to do that. But if you didn't do that, would you still be that precious treasure? Would you still be that chosen purpose, people for that purpose? If you didn't do that. If I told you to go represent me, Brother Juan, because I, I wasn't there, I want you to show me to the world, represent me, tell the world what I am and what I'm like, but you went to represent me, man, you never did that. You never explained what I was like. You didn't fulfill the purpose that I sent you. Would you still be a representation of me? No, you absolutely would not. You, know, you would be a misrepresentation to me. You know, it's funny you say, you know, you, that you know, God will show his nature... Well, at the beginning, he said he created man in his image. Right. You know, so, you know, this was his, you know, you know there was only Adam, you know, at, at the beginning. But this was him, you know, directly talking to somebody, you know, this right. is my nature, you know. This, yeah, I want you, as he, told, as he told Abraham, you and your descendants would be a blessing to all nations. So that gives us the purpose for God calling Abraham out in his family to be a blessing to all nations, to spread 
godliness throughout the world, to be a blessing to all nations. And they were to show forth the nature of God in their lives, the way they lived their lives, and so forth and so on. And that's called keeping my covenant, keeping my statutes, following my laws, obeying my voice. But if they didn't do that, and if you don't do that, how could you say you're representing a holy, righteous God if you're not acting like a holy, righteous people? That's blasphemous to consider such a thing. To say that I'm going to, that I'm going to go, listen, it'd be just like you as a Christian going out here and, 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 and using your opportunity to be a Christian to hurt somebody, to harm somebody, to steal from somebody, to lie to somebody, to kill somebody. And you're using your opportunity as a Christian to do that and still saying that you represent Christ. That's blasphemous in my opinion. I don't know if y'all feel the same way about that. But that would not be a representation of Christ. We would be absolutely portraying Jesus as being something that he is not. Children of Israel, worshiping other gods, um, all the different things that they did, denying God's voice, walking away from the commandments and the statutes, many times in front of all these other nations that they were supposed to be a blessing to. How do you think, what is it? I mean, and saying that we are God's people. When Jesus confronted the Pharisees in the New Testament, what did he say? This goes from the front of this Bible to the back of it, by the way, all the way through Revelations. He said, what did he tell them? Don't say you're the children of Abraham because even though you're descended from him, even though you're his blood, you don't do the things Abraham did. In other words, you're misrepresenting Abraham. You're misrepresenting God. Don't say you're the children of God, but he said you're the children of the devil because, listen, what God's children do is God's godly things, right? What the devil's children do is the things of the devil. And that's what Jesus told them. Same thing right here. See, that's why he gave them the Ten Commandments. To represent me. To say, you are the, my people and I'm choosing to do this. Not choosing you for a special salvation because of your blood. Not choosing you to be saved among all the people of the world just because of who you are, because of your race. I'm choosing you for a purpose and for a reason. And he, and he told them that. He said, you're a special treasure. He also said there'd be a kingdom here. Now notice in verse 6 he says, And you shall unto me be a kingdom. Now a kingdom um, is, a, uh, is a, na <clears throat> a nation that's governed by a king. And he says you'll be a kingdom, a priest, and a holy nation. A kingdom. Now, what's he talking about? Well, he's talking about God being... You're the one special nation upon all the earth. You're the one group of people upon all the earth that I will be your king. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to govern you. And that's going to be our special relationship. And when I guide you, govern you, and lead you, you're going to follow the, my, uh, my voice. You're going to obey my commandments. You're going to do what I say as your people because I'm your king and you're my people. That's what a kingdom is. You can't have a kingdom without a king, right? Doesn't exist. A kingdom is, has a king. And at this time, God would be their king. This is the covenant that he's making with them. He's establishing this relationship with them that I'm going to be your king, you're going to be my people, and here's what you're going to do. And here's the way you're going to act. And as long as you do that, you'll be my people, and I'll be your God. 
if you do that. That's a big word in the Bible right here, if, I-F, if you do that. But when you don't, how could you dare say that you're still representing me? When you're living unholy, you're not following my commandments, and all these things. And we're going to get into how that happened here in a minute. <clears throat> One thing I want you to notice here, he says, you're, just to back up what I've done said, he says you'll be a kingdom of what? Priest. What's a priest? A priest is a mediator between God and man. A priest is someone, if you remember, where the man goes to and the priest takes the sacrifice on in to God. So he's a mediator between man and God. So if I'm going to be a kingdom of priests, what am I going to be? I'm going to be a kingdom that has a king. I'm going to be a nation that has a king. And I am going to be a priest. In other words, I'm going to represent God to man. I'm going to represent God to the world. That's what priests do. And, G, and, uh, <laughs> and God tells them here that you're going to be a kingdom of priests to the world, in other words, for me. So see, that just backs up what we've already said when he calls them a kingdom of priests. In other words, all of you are going to be a priest. You're not just going to have one priest, which later on, you know, they established the Levitical deal and everything. But right here we're talking about, he's, he's using this to imply that you're going to, he's using this to imply that I'm fulfilling what I said to Abraham. I'm choosing you, Abraham's descendants, to be a blessing to the rest of the world by delivering me to them. So you're a, you're a kingdom of priests. <clears throat> uh, let's see where we're going to go here now. I've done covered all that, so I'll get out of that. <clears throat> now, I want to say this. This covenant here, the, the covenant that God makes with Israel here at Mount Sinai, is not in addition to the covenant of Abraham, really. It's more like an, uh, an addition not, it's not, it's not part of it. That's what I meant to say. It's not part of the Abrahamic covenant. It's like an addendum to the covenant. So in other words, uh, if you broke this, it didn't affect what God told Abraham. If you broke this. Because this, the, the covenant that he made with Abraham, he's going to fulfill God is on his behalf. It was a promise that he made. Okay? <clears throat> so... There's that way. But anyway, now, I want to talk about this. I want to switch gears just for a minute. <clears throat> um, I want to say this, that the covenant that the children of, of Abraham had with God was like a marriage covenant, and God saw it as that also, and we can find that many times in the Bible. It was like a marriage covenant. And I mentioned last week about a marriage being a covenant. If a man and a woman give vows to each other and they make a vow to each other, they agreed in, they came into a covenant together and that cannot be rightfully broken. The only way that can be broken if someone cheats or does something wrong. It's, it's an it's a everlasting covenant, really. Ordained. Ordained. Death. Or death, right. Death Either death removal from the planet Earth or someone cheats. Or something like that. That's good because I thought of that today, brother, myself. I was going through my head and I thought of that. thought I didn't mention that last week. Now, <clears throat> to keep the covenant, the Bible says in many places that they had to do, they had to follow the commandments of God. He said this, if you will hear my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. 
Then you will, if you keep my covenant. It's just like a marriage. Well, can you imagine 614 commandments that you had to follow? You think they never was going to break one of them? How many promises do a husband and wife make to each other when they get married? Oh, but I'll please, I'll do this, 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 and this, and this, and I'm going to treat you this way. You know, they get all these things. Do they do every one of them or do they break a few? They usually break a few. And that's okay. And that's okay. You know, that's okay. We do that invertently. We don't, act, we don't intend to do that. I don't think people intend to lie about it. Or most, usually they don't when they go into a covenant together. They're just excited. They have all of these, these ideals of things that they will do and they can do. And then other circumstances get in the way. And later on, things happen. And they just don't get to do everything that they said they would do. And that doesn't break their covenant, does it? It didn't with God either. Except for this. There's one thing that the Bible does declare that breaks that covenant. And that's adultery. And, that, and Jesus says, when a, 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 a person commits adultery, then the other person can rightfully leave that covenant. Because that covenant has been broken. It's done. It wasn't rightfully broken, but it was unrightfully broken. And this is what he has. They have a marriage covenant here. The only thing that God asked of them was to be faithful to me. He understood their failings. He understood you couldn't keep every little detail of the law. The Bible says in the New Testament that the law was given to us as an example, a schoolmaster to show us that we couldn't keep it. We needed the forgiveness of God. We needed the faithfulness of God, the mercy of God, because we're not able to. They weren't able to keep every thing of the law, but the one thing they had to keep in order to stay in that covenant was they could not commit adultery. They could not do it. And that may, that's grounds for divorce when you did. When, you, when you, someone, one, one of the people in the marriage committed adultery. But, as you know, Israel was drawn to uh, other gods like flies to honey. Before the Ten Commandments could even get off the mountain, they done built a golden calf and was already worshiping it. So this was a, a thing uh, over and over and over and over. We saw th- all throughout the Bible. And that, God actually got so disgusted with them that he gave them a trial of divorcement. Did you know that? That he gave them a trial of divorcement. And I'm going to show you where he did that at. Over here in Jeremiah. Just so you know, I'm leading you right. Let the Bible speak for itself. In Jeremiah chapter 3, we'll start at verse 6. It says, I mean, this whole chapter is about this, but we'll start at verse 6 just to shorten it up. It says, The Lord said also unto me in the days of Josiah the king, Hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel hath done? She has gone up upon every high mountain and under every green tree, and there hath played the harlot. And I said, After she had done all these things, turn now unto me. But she returned not. And to her treacherous sister Judah saw it. And I saw when for all the causes where backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorcement. That's the Bible. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. And it came to pass through the likeness of her whoredom, that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and with stocks. And yet for all his or her treacherous sister Judah hath not turned unto me with her, and here's a very important part, with her whole heart, 
but finally, saith the Lord. See, it's always been about the heart. It's always been about it. But you see, God gave Israel a bill of divorcement, he says right here, because of her adultery. See, the covenant was broken. It's done right there. But God had mercy and forgiveness, and he continues on. But you can see adultery breaks the covenant and gives the other person in the, in the marriage the opportunity to opt out if they want to, biblically speaking. And Moses knew when he came down, when he seen what they were doing, if he had brought to them the first set of Ten Commandments, if he brought that and showed them, yo, he broke it, yo, he said, he got angry. If he had showed that, then they would have to kill him off. Because back then, yo, if you broke one of the commandments, it was dead. That's a good point. So he broke that first set. Well, if he went out and showed them, they were all... They would have known then. They would have known then. Yep. And they were all... You know, they were all in, in, you know, favor of death, you know, because they were, you know, uh, you know, worshiping for false idols. That's right. You know, so if Moses had took it on down, then what would Because, happen? and that's a very good point you make. It really is. Because God was so angry when he when Moses came off the mountain and they had built the golden, or shaped a golden calf and was worshiping, and he wanted to destroy them on the spot. There would have never been an Israel past that point if it had not been for Moses. But Moses begged of God to have mercy, and God did, and he went on. And, you know, then here we see again in Jeremiah. It happens again, and it's happened so many times before this and so many times after this. It just wants, He never could keep them to be a faithful wife to him uh, all throughout the Bible. All the way throughout the Bible, we see this. And um, <clears throat> even all the way up to Christ, and, and when they got... Uh, you know, even though after this, after they come out of this, he, he, God allowed them to go into captivity to Babylon, I think 70 years here, what we just read on Jeremiah. And after they came out of that, they didn't really worship gods of rock and gods of wood any longer like they was, graving images and making them and worshiping as much. But their heart, see, their heart was still not with God. And that's where it's always been about the heart. It's never been about the race if it was. Let me point something out to you real clear. If it was, then how come God told Abraham at the very beginning, if there's someone in your house that's not even Jewish, someone uh, that comes in from another country, they can be a part of Israel. All they have to do is follow the, is, is follow the commandments of God and, and be circumcised. And if someone is in your house and, not, and, and is Jewish and is of your blood, that person, if they refuse not to keep my covenant, they refuse not to be circumcised, then they can be cut off and wouldn't be. See, so it's always been about faith. It's always been about the faith that Abraham had. The Bible says he's the father of our faith, and it's always been about that. He set an example of faith to us. God chose that people, his descendants, to be his representation to the world, and they constantly misrepresented him, misrepresented him, misrepresented him as his wife. Until they committed adultery over and over and over and over. Even, even said Abraham, if you can be judged by your righteous acts, didn't it say, you know, Abraham was a right was that righteous? If you could have been judged by your righteous acts. What well, says he was, had faith and it was counted to him as righteous. His faith is where yeah. the righteousness was established. Yeah. And it's always been established through uh, what through us. It's the righteousness of God, but it comes through faith. It still comes through faith to us. But after the 70 years and stuff, their heart was still far from him. And I want to show you that too in Jeremiah chapter 4. Just to give you an example of what I'm talking about. Where Jeremiah says this to them even still in Jeremiah chapter 4. 4, 
chapter 4, verse 4, says, Circumcise yourself to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart. See? Ye men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn, that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. So see, it's about the heart again. God wants them to turn to Him and love Him like a wife would love her husband. And you say, well, you're talking about a wife and husband. I ain't seen them mention nothing about being their husband yet. Well, we can. let me show you that real quick over here too. In Jeremiah 31... Chapter 31, verse 31 says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord. Now, you, y'all's going to know what he's talking about right here. He says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. Y'all know what he's talking about there, right? And he says, And with the, and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand. He's going to tell what he did. And bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they, what? They break. Although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. See, he says, I was their husband. I'm going to make a new covenant now because the old one don't exist. No, Well, it still existed here, but it's not going to exist someday. I'm going to make a new one because they broke it. And... In the, in the book of Hebrews, the Bible tells us that the old covenant has become old and is waxing away, it's vanishing away, and it's time for the new. That's in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. See, the, the Jewish writers in the New Testament and the apostles and all of those, they understood this, what I'm telling you tonight. They understood it. It's been since then that it's got twisted and turned around, mainly beginning in the year of 1830 by John Nelson Darby. But that's another story that we'll talk about. But um, so we see that God had a marital relationship with them. Um, he was, that, that's the way he saw it anyway. He was their husband, they were his wife, and he couldn't keep them from cheating. Um, now, talk about the land. It says the promise <clears throat> to inherit the land of Israel. Now, let's think about that. The, uh, the promise that he made to Abraham, I'm sorry, to, to inherit the land. That was a physical thing, and I myself see that in John Joshua 21 as being fulfilled physically, but I also want to say this. Last week, we talked about types and shadows a lot. Remember that? I tried to go through about seven or eight types and shadows of things in the Old Testament that represented things in the new that was coming, and just to give you an example, and we could do 50 more of those. We could just take two Wednesdays and do nothing but types and shadows of the entire Old Testament, showing the fulfillment of it, the fulfillment of it, the fulfillment of it, the fulfillment all throughout the New Testament in Christ because it was all types and shadows. Not <clears throat> uh, excluding the land. Another type and shadow. The land of Canaan was a type and shadow. And the Bible tells us that in the New Testament too. It was a type and shadow. of. Even though I think Abraham inherited the land there, but his seed inherited it and not only inherited the land, but the whole world. Because his seed is who? Does anybody know? Right. That's what the Bible says in, in Romans. In Galatians 3, the Bible says that. It says that we are the seed of Abraham if you're in Christ. And that Christ inherited the whole world. Let me show you that. Just to give you an example that to, to show you that Paul actually 
felt the same way as what I'm teaching you tonight? Let me show you what Paul says in Romans 4.13. He said, for the promise. Now we know which promise he's talking about. He said, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world. Now, I'm one of those guys that I like to, to really understand the Bible for what it really meant when they wrote it. Even beyond King James, I, I, I don't believe in anything but the King James Bible. I'm, I'm a devout follower of the King James Version of the Bible. But I still like to look at the Greek because I have the ability today to do that and to interpret the Word of God myself if, I don't, if I'm curious about what it's saying, if it's wrong context or what have you. And this word world... Don't let me lose you here. This word world, a lot of times, is the word, you've heard me mention many times, gay, which means soil, earth, dirt, blah, blah, blah. It can mean all of those things. So we could, somebody could say, well, Brother Mark, now wait a minute. You're going to eat your own words here because he said that he is the heir of the world. That could have been land if, it, if that word is gay, but that word's not gay here. The word is cosmos. In the Greek, and if you can look it up, it's real simple to do. The word is cosmos, which means the globe, the world, the actual world. There's no misinterpretation of what it is talking about. He inherited it. The promise was to inherit the land. Christ inherited it all because through Christ, all the nations of the world are to be blessed through Abraham's seed, which is Christ which is you and me and you are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. So through us, all the nations are to be blessed and evangelized. And we are still today, let me tell you this, we are still today to represent God just like they were supposed to have represented God. We are to take upon the nature of God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. You've heard that said in the New Testament. How many times did Paul say that we get a new nature, we become a new creature the Holy Spirit lives within you. He dwells within you. He's the comforter. He leads you. He guides you. See, we've taken on the nature of God. Why? To evangelize the whole world. The children of Israel were supposed to represent the nature of God by following the commandments and statutes and evangelize the whole world, win the whole world to God. They failed to do that. But the fulfillment of the seed of Abraham is doing that. That's you and me in the church of Christ. I mean, when I say Church of Christ, I'm not talking about the denomination either. <laughs> so, <laughs> the Church of Christ. <clears throat> now, I'm a, we're just about done. But let me show you just a few things. And I just throw these together just so I could, and I don't even have a mark, so bear with me a little bit. And if I take too long, then we'll skip it and move on. But uh, this is just a few things that... that Things in the Bible I wanted to read to you so you could just get the gist of what's being told throughout the Bible. In Psalm 78, verse 10, um, through verse 10 and 11, says this. says, They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in His law and forgot His works and His wonders that He had showed them. That's Psalms. First uh, Samuel chapter 2. Let me show you this real quick. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, says this, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever, but now. Now let me read that again. Wherefore the, the Lord God of Israel saith, I said himself, 
Indeed, that thy house and the house of thy fathers should walk before forever, before me forever. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me, for them that honor me I will honor. Now you tell me that what I just told you about them being a representation to the world is not correct. He says, them that honor me are the ones I will honor. You follow me, you keep my statutes and my commandments, then I'll be your God. See? He says, them that honor me will I honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. So, we can see that's a very good scripture there. Um, Jeremiah, let me read you something else in Jeremiah. Starting in verse 18 here. Um, now I'm not going to read all this because this is a, really this would be a, a good chapter uh, for somebody to probably read. Um, let's see here. Here we go. Jeremiah chapter 18. Let me read this to you. Said the word, verse 1 said, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, they wrought the work on the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he had made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as the potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. And what instant I speak, I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom. See, there's the nation and the kingdom that he made in Exodus that we just read. To pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it. If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of, of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and plant it. If it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said that I would benefit it. I made you a kingdom and a nation, he's saying. And if you, if you will, uh, if you do evil in my sight, he said, I will repent of the good that I told you I would do. I won't do it no more because you did evil in my sight and I planted you. You're the nation I planted. You're the kingdom that I established. <coughs> they knew what he was talking about because he was talking about Exodus right there where we just started our text tonight. So they knew that. Anybody got any comments on? All right then. Well, Deuteronomy chapter 11. And we could do this all day long. Deuteronomy chapter 11, 26 and 28 says, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. Me and, brother, me and one of my brothers were studying here the other day and we were talking about a curse. A blessing and a curse. A blessing if ye obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if ye will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. This they did over and over and over. What did he say? I'll curse you. I will not bless you, but I will curse you. And then we can go on and on and on. Another place that I wrote here, and then I'm, uh, well, I got to read this to you in Matthew. Chapter 21, because I just decided tonight I want to read this to you and see if it sounds familiar to you. I'm not even going to comment on it. I'm just going to read it to you. I'll let you make your own judgment. Matthew 21, verse 33. Now we fast forward from all the years of the Old Testament. We're in the New now. It's time for the New Covenant to be 
It's time for the old covenant to die away, Hebrews says. It's time for the new covenant to be established, which Jesus did establish it. But here we see in Matthew 21, verse 33, it says, Hear another parable. This is Jesus telling this. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to the husbandman and went, and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the, bride, to the husbandman that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandman took his servants and beat one and killed the other and stoned another. Talking about the prophets of God, by the way. He says in 36, Again, he sent another servant, more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But the last of all he sent unto him his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize the, on the inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. When the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto the, those husbandmen? Now jump to 45. And it says, and when, and, then, or, and when the chief priest and the Pharisees, notice who, who this is, chief priest and Pharisees, had heard his parable, they perceived that he spake of them. I wonder why they perceived that. <clears throat> but... Anyway, I, I'll close with this. You know, as we've already said, uh, back in the, uh, the, ex or the Genesis covenant that he made with Abraham, he said, if you're circumcised into the family, you're part of Israel. If you're not circumcised, you're out. No matter who you are, no matter who you're born of, no matter anything, it's all about having a covenant people, not a race. I can back that up, and I can give you all these verses if you're interested. Genesis 17, 14, Exodus 12, 19, Exodus 31, 14, Leviticus 18, 29, Romans 11, 22. All of those say the very same thing. If you don't keep my covenant, you're not part of it no more. If you do, then you will be. And we can go on and on and on, and I can get you another 50 if you read all those and you want some more. So anyway, we'll leave it at that. I appreciate your attention tonight. And uh, if anybody's got any comments, now would be a good time. Questions or comments.